welcome to The Player's Voice, a podcast brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. My name is Alan O'Mara, a former Cavan goalkeeper now working as a performance and wellbeing consultant. As host of this series featuring some of Ireland's most inspiring athletes, I am delighted to be joined by the reigning footballer of the year, Vicky Wall. Vicky speaks about how her life has changed since she became an All-Ireland champion and how adaptability, trust and vulnerability were at the heart of Mead's success. She also discusses the verbal abuse she has received over the years, her search for sport life balance and how much she is looking forward to becoming a professional athlete later this year in the Australian Football League. This podcast is brought to you as part of Bio360, a GPA programme that empowers inter-county players across four key areas, life skills, well-being, dual career and transitions. Please go to bio360.gaelicplayers.com to learn more. To hear such openness, honesty and insight from an elite performer was so refreshing and I hope you enjoyed the player's voice with Vicky Wall as much as I did. Thanks for listening. Vicky, first of all, just thanks so much for joining us on the Players Voice podcast. This is a conversation I've been looking forward to having for, for quite a while. And my first question for you is, on the back of your success on the field last year, just how has life been as an All-Ireland Senior Football Champion? Yeah, uh, thanks mainly for having me anyway, for, first of all. Uh, looking forward to the chat. Um, yeah, it has. It's been it's been pretty mental, to be honest. Um, it's been pretty hectic, I think, based on, you know, winning in 2020 the intermediate All-Ireland and I suppose obviously there was there was a bit of hype around that but you know things got shut down fairly quickly you know the whole country was into a into a lockdown and you know we were just kind of straight back into our own training that we didn't really get to to stop and kind of acknowledge that achievement and then in 2021 I suppose there was such hype about it you know even having people back in Crow Park and I suppose going into a game like that against a team that's trying to win five in a row um, obviously there's going to be big hype about it and I suppose when it when an underdog wins, um, there is you know that that story about it, and I suppose that added element of coming from intermediate the year before, uh, things have probably yeah, blown up a little bit, and it's been strange, it's been hectic, um, but for for a team perspective, it's it's been really unbelievable for for ladies football and football and me. I think it's been it's been huge as well. I think um, you know just even seeing the support that we're getting at games this year in comparison to. Um, to previous years and stuff is phenomenal and I suppose it's a kind of a catch-22 of you know we shouldn't have to do something phenomenal to get that support but it's just been the case and I suppose we, look we're, we're thankful for for all the support that we do get. Yeah like even in just like the snapshot or like the summary you've given there of the last two years like it's been quite like a almost like a roller coaster in some ways but actually it just you've been spending more time on an upwards trajectory um, and then like did it did the speed of your progress surprise yourselves in terms of going straight from that intermediate grade to senior grade senior grade and then not only competing also like beating most of like the other teams in that division um like i think it's easy to say no now because you know that you have that all around in your belt but but genuinely no because of how we got there you know that kind of way like in 2017 we would have won the Leinster intermediate final and then we lost an all Ireland semi final to Tipperary then we lost the All-Ireland Intermediate Final in 2018 to Tyrone. We lost in 2019 to Tipperary. So it was kind of like 
it was an upward trajectory to a certain extent, but there definitely was a lot of losses along the way. And, you know, like we just weren't a consistent team. Like me, ladies weren't consistent. Like I think the year that we got to the All-Ireland Final, like one of the years, I don't think we'd actually won three games in a row. So, you know, when you look back, like, do you really deserve to win an All-Ireland Final and get to go up to senior grade when you haven't won more than three games in a row? Personally, I don't think so. So um, I think, you know, there's those moments um, and that all of those kind of building blocks and the accumulation of all of those things and then coinciding with that, you know, we we'd we went from division three to two and now we're back up to one. So it was kind of building at the same time through our championship and our league campaign. So even when we were intermediate, I suppose we were getting to play division in division two against senior teams. So I think that really aided us. And then once we got back up um, to senior, you know, you, ha you have that you have that league to, again, prep against senior teams. And I think winning that Division 2 league against Kerry in Crow Park, you know, just for us was a kind of solidification almost of like getting another win in Crow Park and being able to do it on the big day. And those those experiences you, you referenced there of like the intermediate grade of ultimately some heartbreak and some setbacks and some failure... What kind of lessons were you able to draw on there that kind of guided you, A, to get out of intermediate, like to, to be victorious in intermediate championship, but then also B, to carry that across? Like what lessons really stuck with you from those couple of seasons? Yeah, I think um, if I look at it from like even a team perspective and then a personal perspective, like from 2018 and 2019, like I personally wouldn't have felt that um, I performed to the standard that I wanted to. Um, not even just in those two finals. Um, I think Tyro like the twenty eighteen final, like I just wasn't happy with my performance at all. Twenty nineteen, I don't think I played horrendously bad, but again, I just don't think I performed to the standard that I expect of myself. So it was kind of a self reflection of like, you're putting all this time into into something. Like, why not just go that extra mile and why not just do one hundred percent? Like, not that I wasn't doing things one hundred percent or that I thought I wasn't, but just when I looked back, I kind of thought like. There was small elements that I could improve on and like if I can do that myself and then if everyone else does them like we, we can get somewhere. Then from a team perspective, I don't think we were adaptable. Um I think we had really good um we had really good tactics in place, we had really good ideas in place, but I think we were too focused on those ideas and if they didn't work out on the day we we panicked and we didn't know how to adapt them quickly enough and I think adaptability across sport is something that has to happen, you know, like there's there's never a game that actually goes how you want it to go, regardless of how well prepared you are, how well you know your opposition or how well you know every single setup, you know, it's, and it's adaptability across our own team of the position you're playing in, but also adaptability of being able to, to you know, react quickly to, let's say, you know, you're expecting your opposition to, to go long on every single kick out and all of a sudden the first five, they've gone short, you know, you can't be waiting till the sixth, seventh, eighth kick out to, to start to change those things. And in, in 2018 and 2019, I think we were, we were kind of, and looking to the sideline more so, we were kind of saying, oh, like, what do we do now? Whereas now I think, and because of those situations haven't been in them, we're, we're not, definitely not perfect at it, but we're kind of more confident in, making those calls and switching things up quicker when they need to be. And then that like that word adaptability that jumps out there, is that something you use would have talked about like in small groups as a collective in terms of trying to become that? I suppose like what I hear from you there as well is a lot of times, you know, like you go play a game and then there's a post performance review where maybe you watch some video clips or the manager breaks it down. And that's part of the learning process, but also what you're talking about here is actually making decisions or adjusting in real time too. Have I picked that up correct? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, like we would have talked about being adaptable in 2018, 2019, but we just didn't action it. Like there was no, like there was that talk and there was an acknowledgement that it needed to be there, but we weren't actually putting it into practice. And I think as a group, we're fairly honest with each other. Um, and I know even myself and Moira Shocknessy after the 2019 All-Ireland, we would have we would have had a good few conversations, you know, about that being adaptable and kind of saying like, OK, well, as a full forward, do you know the role of a full back? And as a half forward, do you know the role of midfielder? And we kind of felt that like, you know, you, to get to that next level, regardless of if I'm playing full forward, I still do have to know what's required of even our goalkeeper or our fullback, like what they actually, it's like for me to to perform and for them to perform, like they need to know what I'm doing to help them so that like essentially that we can help each other. And even for our own kickouts or the, you know, opposition kickouts, we need to know what, what every line is doing or what every person has to do. And if, if we're not certain of our roles, then I, then I don't think it works. And how do you, so those conversations start um, and that's where there's like a real reflective learning happen both individually and then rolling that out collectively. The how do you take that to, from being like talking about it to doing it and putting it into action? How does that work practically? Yeah, I think the initial conversations maybe aren't always the, the nicest of conversations. You know, sometimes, sometimes regardless, like you're, you know, you're making a point and, and you're, you're um, as guilty of doing it as any, anybody else. You know, kind of you like to think that maybe you're a bit away from the problem. But I think as a team, you kind of have to reflect that, like if someone is doing something, then everyone else is doing it as well, whether it's to the same level or not. So, yeah, I think the initial step is like a bit of self-reflection and kind of deciding as a team and whether it's in, you know, individual groups and then. To be honest, like our management are unbelievable. You know, if we if we go to them and you kind of highlight a few points that we think might need working on, they'll go away themselves and they'll come back to us with with their kind of opinions on it. And then as as, as a kind of a management and a team group, we, we work together to see like, again, like you said, like a lot of things are ideas and a lot of things sound great when you say them out loud. But then when you actually go onto the pitch and try to put them into practice, they're not feasible. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of kind of back and forth and. And again, like a, it's a process. I think like we try, we've tried things before, and straight after the game, said, "No, nah, not a fear. Like that doesn't work for us. So that's not our game, and that like we shouldn't do that." So I think it's 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 definitely a learning process and and a lot of listening. Yeah, sometimes you don't hear what you want to, but um, yeah, a lot of listening. And then, so like obviously that the team is developing and standards are improving, performances are also improving. There's more consistency coming, which you talked about, and that ultimately leads you all the way up to. All the All Ireland final last year. I suppose. What's your What's your memories of that game now? Because it's what it's, it's is it eight nine months ago at this point, and um, where it's kind of somewhat in the rear view mirror. The rear view mirror. What's your What's your memories of that? Um. Yeah. Memories of the the actual game itself. I suppose is just being. I suppose like so focused on the the goal and not even the like the trophy, but just like a performance. Um. I think all year, you know, we'd be kind of building and personally, I think against Cork, um, I know we, we had that win in the last few minutes, but I think we played with a lot of fear that day. Um, I think as a team, we played with fear. We didn't play how we want to represent ourselves. So I think it was something that we were really conscious of in the All-Ireland final of expressing ourselves and like sticking to, to our game plan 100% because like we respect that and we've, we've, we've worked on it over the last few years with our management and as a team, but, but also kind of like enjoying it but like I don't know how to explain it fully just even yeah I think just the fear element that we played with against Cork in the first half maybe I think it just stuck stuck with me anyway and I think it stuck with a lot of us just of like we don't want it we don't want it that's not the type of brand of football we want to play 
Um, so it was definitely a thing of playing with no fear in the All Ireland final, um, and I think I think it kind of stood to us. And then, speaking of the word fear, like you are going in then in the All Ireland final to play against a team that's going for their fifth championship in a row, and it's probably it's easier. Well, actually, in some ways, does that does that take away some of the fear because you're coming in as such underdogs? Does that kind of, in some ways, lower the expectation outside the group that lets you that lets you and your team kind of come in focused on proving it to yourselves and to everybody else how good you are? Just talk to me a little bit about kind of the mindset around that. Yeah, um, yeah, I like, and the word underdog has been used, and I use it all the time as well, just even to have described it. But like, I don't think we ever felt like underdogs. Like, I don't think as a team we were kind of saying like, like we're so far off the mark, or like we're, we're this isn't an achievable goal for us. And I think when you have that within the team, like you can, it's 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 a driving force. But then like you flip that, like, and as a sports person, like I would have preferred to have been a Dublin's position, like defending five titles in a row, like or defending like trying to get to five. Like you constantly want to be proving how good you are and that's the position you're in. And if someone knocks you off that kind of that title, so so be it. But as in like that's where you want to be and that's what you want to achieve. So yeah, I don't know. I think you can flip it on both sides. Like I don't think there's ever a lack of motivation. Um, of like well, no matter what angle you're going from I don't think there's ever kind of a lack of motivation but yeah I, I think within the camp like I don't think there's a huge amount of fear um, of the of the opposition I suppose maybe, maybe there was other elements of fear of you know and again I don't know if fear is the right word but just expectation of yourself and expectation of what you want to achieve and uh, and bring to the team I think it was more that kind of side of things of of um, managing managing our own expectations, but um, we have a, an unbelievable um, sports psychologist, Kelly Fay, who works closely with us, and you know she's she'll jump on a call, and we just uh, with the team will be on it for twenty minutes and just quick breakout rooms and just talk about things. And I think hearing things that you might think in your own head about a big game coming from your teammates and stuff like that, something that you might, so something so in, inconsequential that you might think. You know, like, oh, there's no point saying this, and like, it mightn't even be eating you up inside, but something that you like subconsciously are aware of, like a doubt or like a. I don't even know a doubt, but just even you know, getting sometimes it takes like, let's say, like I'm not afraid, like I'll ask the same question fifty times, like I don't care, like as if I know someone else has is wanting to ask it, but is a bit afraid to, like I'll, I don't care, like I'll ask the same question literally fifty times, but I think when we jump on those calls, people people just feel a bit more comfortable. I think. Um, and they're able to, to, you know, ask something that they mightn't, I don't know, like in what scenarios they wouldn't ask it, but it just means that we're sitting there and there's there's no kind of ambiguity of of what's going to happen on the day of, you know, like what, what we want to do and as a team, like what our goals are and everything like that. So just having those little, like, it's like I said, it's 20 minutes, but it just kind of brings you back to the task at hand and... Like we talk about fear of playing, like fear before, let's say an All Ireland final. Like as harsh as it sounds, like we lost two All Ireland finals. Life goes on. Like as in the day after, like the other team are celebrating, you're not. Um, it's a tough two or three weeks after, and there is still days where I think back to those finals of things I could have done differently. Like I won't lie, but like at the end of the day, we were kind of aware, um, cynically that life does go on after after you lose an All Ireland final. Um, obviously I'd never, I'd prefer to always be on the winning side, but like that, that is the kind of the reality of it as well. As I'm listening to you there, it kind of strikes me, I know you, you mentioned doing some work with the sports psychologist and then there's both the kind of work player to player and with coaches. It sounds to me that, and again, correct me if, if I'm picking this up wrong, Vicky, but it sounds to me that you as a group got comfortable with being vulnerable with each other in terms of for learning um, and that it became less about kind of trying to shield deficiencies or hide maybe what something hadn't done well, but actually leaning into those to use them to drive you forward is... 
does that sound like is, am I picking up upright what you've said there? Yeah, absolutely. I think there is there is a huge element of vulnerability within the squad, and I, and to be honest, which I don't think I don't think you can win without that and um, that side of things. I think you know when you have and even like a bond with the people on your team. Um, I think it shows on the pitch, you know, and like you use the word, like we use the word trust a lot, and like it's easy again, like to throw that word adaptable around. It's easy to throw those that word trust around in teams you're involved with, but like it actually shows on the pitch when you know one of the players might step off someone because that's what they're told to do, and you could have you could hear your dad in the crowd saying like, "Why are you stepping off?" or and stuff like that. But it's just like completely trusting within the camp and with like trusting that what we are doing is like for for the greater good of the team and that like things will work out if we actually all stick to the plan yeah so that's like so trust like adaptability there's some vulnerability there ultimately these things and putting them into practice help guide you to where you want to go and you get across the line and you are victorious in Crow Park and I suppose you said well actually what comes to me is in 2020 when you win the final obviously that's during COVID time so it must have been such a sheltered kind of celebration or kind of a withdrawn celebration so then what was what was it like to then win again at the higher grade but then I'm guessing at that point you get to fully celebrate with each other and, and the wider supporters did you? Oh yeah absolutely we, we definitely didn't hold back <laughs> on celebrations they were it was a serious week of crack um, but uh yeah, like I suppose it's it's very different uh, when I think about 2020 and 2021. So 2020 was like, you know, it was our third time trying to get over, get into senior. And, you know, like we had a lot to prove, like regardless of outside, like we were favourites going into that final. But again, like it was such expectation within our group of that consistency and wanting to achieve things. But like it was a strange day just with the fact of like my younger sister got injured in the first half, had to go off to our cruciate. Um, so that was strange in itself and I kind of had to like initially I didn't think her it was that bad I thought she'd kind of rolled around or something like that and then I, I was obviously on the other side of the pitch and I ran up to her and I could just kind of see it in her and like I just kind of had to quickly go back up to the side of the pitch before I kind of got too invested in it or thought about it too much because I'd like we'd be very close and I just didn't want to kind of be thinking about it too much so she was trying to hold in the tears when I was beside her but then we, we laugh about it like she was kind of saying oh no like I'll be able to play on like standing up on one foot trying to hop like and I was like Sarah like get off the pitch like but then, like, on that other flip side, like, mom and dad weren't there in 2020 when we won. And um, they were at home watching it. So, you know, you have that element of it. Um, and then um, 2021, the flip side, like, when, like, that whistle went, like, all I wanted to do was go find Sarah, go find my mom, go find my dad and my older sister, Charlotte, as well. And, you know, it's just, like, it's those, it's, it's a completely, like, contrast of situations, really. And, you know, to be able to, I think it was my dad I actually found first after, after Sarah and just like to have those memories with him and um yeah like it's it's just unbelievable yeah it sounds like it must be like it sounds like it must have been such an incredible experience and then in some ways like we all grow up dreaming of experiencing that but then for you to actually because you basically got to experience the extreme ends of the scale in both ways there um back to back so it must have been such a such an incredible experience and like to that end I saw like I think you had done an interview last month where you said that the last that your kind of life has changed a bit in the last eight months. I suppose I was curious how so or kind of what did you mean by that? Yeah, it absolutely has changed. Um, I suppose I've been given a lot more opportunities. Um, I absolutely have, like I suppose, like I've been given work opportunities and everything like that the last while, which I'm hugely grateful for. I suppose it has put me ladies and um, 
even myself, I suppose, maybe in a bit more of the the, the headlights and stuff like that. Um, it's I suppose yeah, just being being recognised a little bit more, which is definitely definitely strange. Um, something I'm absolutely not used to. But um, yeah, look, I suppose it has it has been hectic and been busy, and you know, um, kind of everyone wants a little bit of you, I suppose, and that's something that I I probably did struggle with at the start. To be honest, I was probably trying to to please everyone, and it's a case of you know like. I feel so strongly about what the what GAA has given me. So like I, I, I genuinely do want to give back, but it's kind of a case of like actually having to to focus on like, you know, I was doing a master's and I was like, I deferred that and stuff like that. So it was kind of just a case of trying to balance everything. And I, I definitely didn't have the balance for a while there, but I think I'm slowly, slowly but surely kind of getting that back on track. Very good. It's because um, obviously, as you said there, like there's, there's the there's the winning aspect of it, which for sure changes, um, if it's w- within the group and the team. But then I, I feel like, and what's important to acknowledge here is that the team has somewhat captured the the hearts and admiration of definitely meet people and probably wider if what what and not probably and wider a field. What's that been like for you? Is that something you're proud of that you've kind of put me ladies football in particular on the map, um, and been able to be role models and conduct yourselves like that yeah absolutely um I think it's it's a just reward for for the amount of work that the girls put in and I suppose it's something that I'm really conscious of and I suppose having seen Sarah you know being injured last year and like you you know I do believe fully believe that everyone's part of the panel but it's you know like having had conversations with her it's it's tough to feel fully involved when you know you don't actually get to to talk out and stuff like that so I, I suppose I'm very conscious of the fact that like all last year like we had 38 girls training on the panel and regardless of um, who got to actually put on a jersey on the All-Ireland Day. Like there was eight or nine girls in the stands that didn't even get to tug out, that didn't even get to play the game, that didn't get, or not even to play the game, but didn't get the chance to to warm up in Crow Park or, or have those feelings. So I suppose it's something I'm conscious of that like they've earned, they earned the medal the exact same amount that let's say the likes of me or Emma Duggan, I suppose, that have gotten more recognition since the All-Ireland Final. But like they played the exact same role that I did. Like there's, I like in that kind of way is in, it's it's a kind of a, a catch twenty two of the sense of like it it is brilliant that we're being put on the map and everything like that but I suppose just I suppose having Sarah so close to me and seeing those side of things like it's um yeah definitely kind of I think it makes me reflect on it a bit more and like definitely makes me more appreciative of of everything that's kind of happened in the last while um I think just even obviously the success of the All Ireland was huge for Mead ladies um and I obviously personally had a very successful last year as well but like on the flip side of that like I was conscious of that for Sarah like as in I like and if I reflect on it if I was in her position and I was injured and my sister got player of the year like I wouldn't have handled it I can honestly say I wouldn't have been able to handle it um as well as she had like and we're very open with each other about it and like she's like she's unbelievably supportive and she is I know she is so proud of me but I know for a fact um, just the type of person I am that like it's just a reflection of the type of person that Sarah is that how she's handled everything because she's back playing now and she's back fully training with the squad and fighting to get a position so it's just kind of testament to her as a person but I suppose there's many other girls on our squad that would be in a similar position to that um, and having trained with them and having been marked by them all year I know exactly the amount of work that they do put in so it's um it's testament to them as well, I suppose, that me ladies are, are on the map. Yeah, and like obviously with your sister, that's an experience like that's right under your nose and probably like at the breakfast table some days. And it obviously helps you put perspective on what I suppose what you're experiencing. 
And I suppose the other thing that usually can put perspective on stuff is past experiences. I know, like, as I was over the last couple of weeks or the last couple of days, as I was reading about and preparing for, to talk to you, like one of the things that come up was a story from 2015 when Mead were literally making calls the day before a game to try and get it, like get players to come and play against Cork the following day. Like, I suppose that must be in terms of perspective because that's not something that's like 20 years ago that's like six years seven years ago now so does that help kind of put perspective on where you are at now yeah 100 percent um i suppose 2015 i probably was i was very new i was only into the team 2014 2015 i was only 16 going on 17 so it was fairly young um but i was purely naive those first year or two like i don't think we had a win and um, we got you know back to Division 3 and then we opted to go back to Intermediate but like I was still going into that court game being like oh yeah like we've a decent chance or whatever and like haven't had a clue like you know that kind of way but I just like loved me football I just any like when I got offered that senior jersey like like there was no way in fear I was saying no to it like I was trying to still play for the minors and still play for the seniors but it was just such an honour so I couldn't kind of see that side of things and I couldn't understand from the other girls perspective let's say the girls that were in their 20s why they weren't committing but like if I look at it now, like I absolutely can, you know, there was there was no proper foundations in place. There was nothing. There was no systems. There was no there was no proper anything like so there was nothing kind of like as much as p- people love playing for their county and everything like that. Like you do have to see see the bigger picture. And like a lot of people want to go traveling. A lot of people want to to deal with other things. So I can understand where people were coming from. And there was a lot of retirements that those few years. So it was definitely a transitional period. But now with perspective, like you look back and there's still a few of us that played that game against Cork that are involved now. But there's also a really, really good mix of younger girls and girls that just weren't involved previously that have come in that like underage wouldn't have been used to losing and, you know, just have this different mentality. So when you mix those type of things and I think a bit of naivety is great in a team. Like I think it's 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 what you want. Like you kind of you want that balance of people that are aware of you know, how quickly things can change, but also girls that are coming in thinking this is going to be how it's going to be forever. Like, I don't think that's actually a bad mix. I think that's actually a good mix because I think it levels it out and, you know, you can feed off each other. And um, like, I definitely see it with, I say older girls, I think they'll give out to me for that one. But, you know, people on our team that are more experienced that when the younger girls come up with, there's something, it's just something as simple as, you know, talking about, things you usually do the day before a game or things that we've done before that we'd actually avoid now and stuff like that. Just having those conversations, like I think it's such a good place and I don't think there's many environments that, you know, 16, 17-year-old girls get to learn from people in their 30s, um, you know, and actually play with them and, you know, experience a lot of life lessons with them. So I think I think it's great, yeah. Yeah, it's just such a remarkable... I, I feel like it's always important to acknowledge, you know, when teams have success or individuals have success, people can just kind of spend 45 minutes an hour talking about the good days and it's like everything was great and this is how we did it but a lot of the time those that resilience and that grit and then as we talked about earlier the adaptability like it's forged from setbacks and from failure and I just feel like when like that that court game was probably an all-time low for me in football I think it was a loss of like 40 points or something um like it must it must fill you with pride to have been one of the figures that has helped kind of turn that around. And I'm listening. I know it's not just yourself, and there's a wider group there. But to be part of a process like that, where you come through and then do get the reward that you've been working so hard for, is that are you proud of that? Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think you know, 
everyone has their own kind of little thing and the girls that have been involved for the last few years like you know there, there is people on the team now that, that were involved over some really tough times in me then you know I just even think back personally like there's I was too young to be driving when I first joined the team so dad would have had to drive me to all the games and I just remember like after a load of the games just crying on the way home to him in the car you know and he kind of turned to me at one point and was like like nobody's forcing you to be here like nobody um like this is your choice whatever and then I suppose that kind of made me think about it a bit more like it regardless of how much I was giving out of it or crying about it like there was no chance I was going to quit like you know, kind of, it wasn't as bad as it got like it still was something that I just like I got more out of it you know kind of way like as in it just it gave me so much regardless of how we were doing and um, so like and just friendships and everything you form from it so I think that side of things like when you, someone kind of turns it on you and says like nobody's forcing you to be here it's your choice it kind of it makes you think about it a bit differently and I suppose like well, nobody is forcing you to do it and it is your choice. There also is a basic standard of preparation and support. And I mean, it sounds like going back those years, certain things weren't in place that teams deserve and are entitled to. How different is that set up now in terms of access to supports? Um, I mean, we've already talked about a sports psychologist earlier. I'm sure the strength and conditioning coaches and actually having systems in place to allow AU to be the best person that you can be and best player you can be, but also to give a team an opportunity to excel and to like to strive for excellence yeah I think those supports are equally as important as the actual physical training that you do on the pitch every week um I know from my perspective and from from our team's perspective I think we have a really good management team in place that you know there's I I, I would like to think anyway that there's someone that everybody could could reach out to if needs be you know we have our backs coach we have our forwards coach we have our main coach we have a manager you have Michelle who's our female liaison officer but like they all have those t- titles and like Eugene or SNC as you said and nutritionist and all like the list goes on but they all have these titles but like they also completely interlink and they don't stick to you know that one that one role at all um like you could go to each of them each of them about something different and even just if it's on a personal level if it's something that's happened outside of football you know you absolutely could reach out to them so I suppose knowing that they are very knowledgeable in their own fields of like whether it's tactics or whether it's you know the stats or whatever you need or if it's extra nutrition advice but then also knowing that like pure humans at the end of the day that care more about you as a whole than they do about let's say how you're going to play at the, on the weekend like is in that that's something that I suppose and I don't think I don't think it's involved in every team. You know, the kind of way I don't think I I think we are really lucky, and I think it's it's an environment that that I'm proud proud to have been part of, and I'm proud to be part of that. You know, we we do have that kind of cohesion, and yeah, like I said, like vulnerability and ability to to speak to a lot of people. No, it sounds like that's such a like it's such a positive and like affirming environment for 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 you guys, and like obviously, it's. In one way, it must seem like a world apart. I know when you enter a senior setup, you're just so young and naive that you're just like, ah, I'm here and this is great. I'm actually getting to play. But it must seem and it must be it must genuinely be worlds apart in some ways, is it? From when when I went into now, like polar opposite, like there is no comparison. Like there just was no culture when we when I first came in. There was again like I think about it, there was so much talking, like there was actually just an obnoxious amount of talking of we've having these critical meetings every week about what was going to change who was going to change and then people would go off on holidays for two weeks and coming back and still getting started because you don't have someone to replace them because you don't have that numbers you don't know those numbers like of people there consistently but like it could like think the culture that we've created now like 
is only a culture because everyone buys in. Like if there was five or six people that didn't buy in, you know, it completely would rock the boat and would change things and you'd have people giving out and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think I think it, there's a culture in, in place that that I would hope will, will last and stay because I think we've seen with without a culture and standards how, how badly things can kind of go and how quickly quickly things can fall apart, to be honest. Yeah, no, thank you for that. I mean, it's such a, because I know like a lot of other players, intercounty players have been listening to this and listen, there's only one team can win a championship in any given year and lots of teams, lots of counties are at different stages in terms of culture and in terms of results and performances. So it's always just nice to get a kind of that insight to a team who has advanced through different stages, both of, of team building and also of grades. Um, that's kind of like that's kind of me at like the collective level. I suppose one of the things I did want to talk to you about it regards to your playing days was you'd spoken previously publicly about comments that had been made to you directly while you were playing with regards to your weight or if it was your body shape. And I just kind of want to, to like, I suppose I was curious, like, is that coming from on the field, off the field, sidelines, just kind of what was your experience of that? And like, and how did that make you feel? Yeah, um, I think it was like the first time I kind of looked back and reflect on it was just because I wasn't playing how I wanted to play. Like it, it wasn't, a case of you know hearing these comments and thinking Jesus like I need to change this I need to change that it was more of a personal reflection of like I knew like the, the potential that I had but as in I just wasn't able to to fulfill it because first of all I wasn't fit enough my endurance wasn't there like I've always been fast I've always been strong but it's never like I wasn't able to actually do the things that I wanted to do on the pitch like I wasn't able to contribute to the game as much as I wanted to and um, so that was kind of the first stage of it and yeah, like there was, it was more so at a club level. Um, I suppose <laughs> I'm absolutely not claiming to be the first person that's been given verbal abuse. Um, in sport, I don't think I don't. I, I think you know most people do, but I think it was a case of during it when when like it was more at a club level. Um, you know, regardless of what I was doing, like in my own head at the time, and and I like I was able to flip and say, like I'm, I obviously I'm still doing something right if they're giving out, you know that kind of way. Like as in, am I kind of if I'd hear something, you know, the next thing I do, try to get a point, try to get a goal and stuff like that. But it was more so a case of when, you know, when times when it would affect my teammates or mom or dad or people that would be kind of watching the game, you know, when they're hearing it, I suppose that was kind of what I would have, what would have affected me more. Um, like, I would describe myself as a, as a fairly confident person um, and like that was able to f flip the narrative, I suppose, to, you know, like you're, I am doing something right, but like after a game when your mom and dad, you know, were kind of annoyed about it, you know, and they're hearing this kind of narrative the whole time. Um, I think it kind of does does get it in and just kind of nags you and stuff like that. And, you know, like I think there's just different roles and different things like that in sport. And I think something that I've noticed um, from when I was younger to now and a shift that I think is a positive shift. Like when I was younger, like I was always like a lot taller in my age group probably bigger as well and it was kind of you know the the phrases that are we tend to associate with male sports people of strong and you know like getting involved in a tackle or whatever it was like there was a narrative that like that was negative to be used towards female sports stars you know it was more a case of you know their looks or how, how they were kind of doing like just more yeah I suppose physical attributes rather than like you know their actual performance whereas now I think there's a shift of like we are praising uh, female sports for being physically strong and you know like I think of our team and the amount of effort the girls are putting in and the, the 
um, the S&C side of things like it's, it's equal to the stuff we're putting on the pitch like why why can't we be praised for that side of things um, yeah so I think that that narrative definitely is changing um, yeah I think but like I think overall like there definitely was times like even like during lockdown when we were doing our individual training and you know like I was just so motivated on a personal level um, but then like t- I absolutely won't like I'm not embarrassed to say that there was times you know during the, that last set of runs when like some of the comments that were said like I absolutely did say them over my head and just use them as extra motivation but it wasn't an extra motivation you know to to get back to those people it was just to push myself further and to to enable me and to help me to achieve what I knew I could achieve and like how 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 I could get to I suppose reaching my potential like I still think I can push myself further I want to push myself further um but I think a case of it, yeah like what if going back to the original question of you know th- that abuse like as in it's it's not enjoyable um and I suppose when you you can brush it off for for as, as long as you want and I think it was a case of until yeah maybe I had lost weight and I had kind of gotten myself into shape that I was I was more able to do the things I wanted to do on the pitch that I was comfortable talking about it to be honest like I probably wasn't comfortable talking about it during the time when I kind of wasn't fully comfortable um so I suppose it's kind of that narrative as well of it it is easier to talk about it when you're probably on the other side and and um yeah I suppose it was just just a case of yeah like mixed of wanting to achieve more myself personally and acknowledging that but also um yeah it probably wasn't wasn't the most enjoyable of experiences of you know your friends and family and stuff kind of kind of hearing those things being said yeah, like, well, first of all, like, thank you for, for the honesty within your answer there. Um, Like, I'm actually, I'm, my brain's kind of, I'm thinking of a couple of different things here. So like, one thing that comes to me is like, so you said about that day, you're doing the runs and you're kind of like a comment or something's bounced around your brain. You're able to use it as extra motivation. I suppose one of the things I think about straight away is like, there's plenty of people who maybe don't or won't have like the resilience or the grit to kind of carry through that and then step away from sport or um drives them away from something that they engage in or that is healthy like i'm just like i'm actually like honestly i'm just part of me is just like annoyed hearing it and you know as i read it like you'd said like the comments was that your mom had heard someone say that you were too fat to play football in a stand and i I believe a manager had to call you post a game after to apologize for something that was said and I suppose the big thing that struck me was when you, in that interview that you'd done previously, you said that like a, a lot of young girls reached out to you after you had spoken up about that and that experience. What what was that like? What did they say to you? And what was that like for you then to hear kind of, I'm sure it was other people's experiences or um, just begin the conversation with you in that regard? In context to young girls and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's a weird one because at the time when I was saying to you, like I, I didn't say it with this kind of ulterior motive of, of that kind of being the outcome. Like I was, I was kind of saying it as like, uh, I don't know, like as in like that you're like I was able to achieve and I was able to push myself. Do you know that kind of way? Um, so when people kind of did start to reach out, I was absolutely overwhelmed. I like I kind of didn't expect it at all, and I I also kind of don't think I have the perfect answer either. So I was kind of hesitant of 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 what to reply to people either because I don't think like I don't think there's a perfect answer. Um, you know, like I would have worked closely with with a nutritionist. Um, because I think that even in the female side of things as well, I think there there can be that possibility of underfueling for sports as well. And I think that's something that when I was younger, I would have would have um 
definitely been victim to of like not fueling my body enough for for the training and the sport that I was doing so I suppose it was just for me of getting getting a knowledge of um of how to properly perform but also like through nutrition so like knowing myself and finding those things so like I didn't want to be given um, advice to any young girls on what to be eating or what not to be eating because I don't think that's my area of expertise but I was able to just I suppose um reflect on it and like let them know that you know regardless like you're you're, it doesn't stop you playing I shouldn't stop you playing sport like it's something you enjoy like I still enjoyed like most of the games I played and um like I was lucky in the sense that a lot of my teammates let's say if they if they heard kind of the comments like that they'd be able to say to me you know like oh like that such and such like you're all right or whatever and I genuinely was able to have open conversations with them say like I am okay like I am fine whatever but I think it's important yeah to to talk someone about it and whether that's someone on your team whether it's your parents or you know even reach out to someone else like I think it's always good just to even if you are okay about um, that type of a situation just to actually acknowledge it say it out loud so that people are aware so that would kind of was kind of my advice I suppose to 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 the younger girls that did reach out did comments like that did they ever challenge your sense of self-confidence or perception of yourself did they ever read in or were you able to like blank them out um as a whole I'd say I was able to blank out but I'd be absolutely lying if there was a certain like if there wasn't certain times when when you'd kind of just sit there and be like oh Jesus like as in like they, they might be right or all that kind of stuff but I think then like the correlation of that was like if I had a terrible game let's say like John if I didn't think I played well and then you have co- comments like coinciding with that you're kind of you let them get under your skin a bit more then but I think that like it was something I tried to try to acknowledge to myself that like if I played if I played unbelievable in that game and scored whatever 2-5 or something like that would I still be feeling this way so it was kind of trying to definitely took time of trying to like acknowledge those things within myself of you know like is that a reflection uh, of like are you actually taking those things on board or are you just annoyed at yourself because you didn't play well or you, you didn't do what you wanted to do so it was kind of a mix of both but like look of course like there was was certain times when you know like you'd hear a man the like a six-year-old man on the sideline calling you some horrendous things and you just kind of be thinking like what what is the point like you know that kind of way of like like and I suppose you met you you mentioned that manager calling me and I suppose I had a conversation the next day and at that stage I was kind of just sick of it and I kind of was like why why did you say it as such and he was like oh well you were marking my niece and to me that was just the most bizarre thing ever of like I was like well like would you say that to her like would you like and he was like Jesus no never like and that kind of stuff so it was just just a few bizarre scenarios um look I understand I understand sport I understand the heat of the moment I understand people say things they don't mean I'm absolutely not saying saying that at all but um I suppose when it's kind of a, a thing you're hearing on a regular basis um during games it, it look it, like I could lie and say it didn't get in my skin but it absolutely did at some stages yeah absolutely I feel like one of the most important things to remember here is that like well we all go to games and listen you've alluded to it there like emotions can get high or there can be passion and there can be frustrations and joy but I think one of the things to always remember at the at the core of it is that you know that players and athletes are are people too, and you know you hear people. I think Colin Kilpatrick was on an earlier episode of this podcast from and had come gone public about his gambling addiction, and that was raised at some point during the game. And I think it's just kind of remembering that athletes are people too, and then trying to remember those values of of respect is is something that whether you're on the pitch or in the sideline, we kind of need to remember. Is that something you would agree with? 
Yeah, I think um, like everyone goes through different things. Like, and I suppose when you're on a team with 38 girls, even using me as a comparative, but even Dunboyne as a comparative, like there's there's 38 people on the team and within that one week alone, I guarantee you there's 10 of them going through something that you're not fully aware of at that moment in time. Um, I think personally, and I think as a lot of people do, uh, like sport is an outlet. Um, it's a time where you like to go and you think you can switch off from things. And I think when sport gets, or like going to training and stuff like that gets to a time where it's not fulfilling that outlet or it's not kind of being that escape escape as such I think it's a good time to reflect yourself reflect on yourself and maybe acknowledge that there's other things more pressing and um, other things need to need to take priority um, I think sometimes it's easy to let's say say oh look I have a big game coming in a few weeks pan everything off and put everything to the side and get to that game but then let's say you get to that game and you lose and it's a come down from that loss and then it's Wednesday of the next week and you're still haven't done any of those things you said you were going to do three weeks ago. Um, I think it's definitely something that I, I don't think I'm perfect at either. I think, you know, it's it's easy to get caught up caught up in being on a county panel and putting that first and putting that thing, putting it ahead of a lot of things, but um, almost getting that balance of priorities and at different stages, like different things do have to take priority. Because I know the, like the, the GPA BO360 programme is there's four key pillars and we've been doing this whole podcast series in tandem with that and those pillars of life skills well-being dual career and transitions and just as you were talking there you're just talking about the dual career aspect of it and trying to juggle it and manage it and then remembering that the kind of following on from the previous point I made but in a different way but that yeah you're an athlete but you're also a person too is that something you've had to get better at balancing and figuring out that the Vicky Wall the person and Vicky Wall the player 100% um, like I do think uh, as a person I'm probably f- fairly different on and off the pitch um, you know I, I, I don't think I have much fear on the pitch I don't think I'm, I think I'm fairly confident and I do think in my normal life I'm fairly confident but there's definitely areas where where I could improve on things um, just going back to you know the GPA like I, I would have um, I started a master's last, last September um in DCU and to be honest with you when I look back at now I, I shouldn't have I wasn't in the right mind frame to be to be you know, f- committing to, to that much of a of a commitment of doing a master's um, I, I, d- I probably did it a bit circumstantially um, when I reflect on it now but it, it challenged um, a lot of the things that I would have associated myself with being um, like I say as a person let's say like when, when I'm doing something I do it 100% um, I'm fully committed and I and I am and I, and I do still like to think that but at the time it challenged that because I, I didn't care enough about it Um, I didn't I wasn't given, giving it the time it needed and um, it kind of it was starting it after the, like after the All-Ireland and I was so busy and I was putting like I was making excuses and it was it's something that I wasn't wasn't it was a feeling I wasn't used to feeling if I put it that way of like not um not not having that kind of intrinsic motivation to do something like it's motivation isn't something that I'd say I, I have struggled with um you know I, I was even during my undergrad or doing um like my leaving cert something like that it was I was fairly capable of balancing football and my kind of external activities that were going on in my life but for the first time I think last year and probably from September to December like it definitely questioned like the things that I thought about myself um and it was kind of even admitting to myself that I didn't want to be in the Masters and that I didn't want to, like the, the thought of giving up or dropping out of something like 
questioned like everything that I kind of would pride myself in, I suppose. Um, so it definitely wasn't an easy decision. And I think even when I acknowledged it to myself and then kind of went to mom and dad and first time I said to them, I think, you know, they were kind of like, oh, look, just stick at it and see how you get on this first semester and everything like that. And it's something I did do and I fin finished this first semester out, but it was just a case of like even saying it out loud and acknowledging it. And I think it even like had to express to them a few times how much I kind of, it wasn't for me at the time because it's it's something that like, as my character and as a person, like I like giving up, like as in it actually just like the, I just don't like even saying the word, like in that kind of way. But like it was the right decision. It's it's one of the best decisions I've made in the last while of you know just kind of focus on myself and stuff like that. And I've just been working the last while, so it, it has worked out. But I suppose it was something that definitely made me kind of question myself as such. But all throughout that process, the GPA were were kind of second on the list of who I was reaching out to after my mom and dad of you know next stages and next steps and how to how to approach things and how to even you know after making that decision of not doing the masters like to how to just make like you've made that decision to kind of move on from it as such so yeah I know that the GPA I suppose and even thinking of my first year in college and fr from from in all aspects I suppose since I've started college have been someone has been an organization or a person to reach out to that I have done on a consistent basis. And then practically Vicky the kind of that time window you're talking about last year where you're questioning yourself and kind of looking it's asking of questions of your own values and who you are I suppose how ultimately because I know there'll be like lots of players who be listening to this will have found themselves in situations either been in a college course they're not enjoying or maybe in a job that's not fulfilling them or that they want to transition out of so I know you mentioned talking to your parents and then reaching out to the GPA but practically then how are you meant to or how are you able to I should say move forward from there and what kind of helps you advance from that place in terms of like reaching reaching out to the gpa or do you just mean in general like of myself of how i made that decision I, both um yeah i think well, how i made the decision anyway was a case of you know i probably like within the first few weeks was kind of saying to myself like this is a, it kind of felt weird not you know being on top of everything and um not you know like I think there's a few occasions where I actually didn't even know I had stuff due the next day which to me was just so foreign because usually I would have have everything done I'd be so on top of everything so when those type of behaviors kind of started to creep in I kind of was think like started thinking to myself like oh this is a bit strange like this not not like you like it's not like like during lockdown let's say when we had our individual training like I didn't miss one one session like I just was so like so on the ball so intrinsically motivated to do it and I just I didn't need like didn't need external motivation in you know, that kind of way whereas with this I just it was such a strange feeling of like just not really caring about it but then also like having that conflicting like you need to care about it and it's part of you like if you're doing something you're doing it 100% so when I kind of like I probably let it go on a bit too long to be honest before I even kind of said it to mom or dad or even acknowledged it to myself I kind of just kept kept trucking along and kept kind of doing it at a, at a minimum standard was how, is how I'd kind of describe it practically then once I'd kind of said it out loud to mom and dad that I didn't want to be in the course anymore um yeah I, I would have reached out to um Ian in the player development within the GPA and I kind of just before I'd kind of made that decision of completely leaving the course or whatever it was kind of a case of okay well what's next like what do you actually want to do like is there things that you do like from that course is there things you don't like to that course and um yeah I suppose Ian was able to just ask me questions that I think maybe sometimes people closest to you don't ask um, just questions that like I wouldn't think of asking myself of like what? <laughs> simple, 
simple questions, I suppose, of like what, like just next small next steps, like in you know, that kind of way of like, I think it's easy to say, oh God, like I'm just after leaving the course, what do I do next? And then procrastinate for however long, but he was able to give me a, a timeline, let's say of being like, okay, look, you're going to be looking for jobs. How, like realistically, let's say within, do you want to give yourself a six week period to, to line up a few interviews or to, to, you know, see, to research, to do, do you know, do those kind of things? Because I did acknowledge that I wanted just a bit of, bit of time just to, to kind of chill out, to be honest, and even just understand what I actually wanted to do so like I gave myself those few weeks and then from there is able to go right like from from now let's say um let's within the next six weeks let's put something in, in place and kind of a touchback base and just a small kind of timeline and stuff like that just just practically that made it more of an achievable goal rather than saying okay I'll, in a month's time I'll start looking for jobs and then it's two three months down the line and I'm kind of still at that exact same stage so it was just kind of practically putting things in place that you know it wasn't like he was giving me deadlines of you have to have a job in six weeks. It was just, you know, like small little timelines that were, were achievable. No, it's like that's, and so that was the reason why I asked the question because sometimes we'll, you know, when we hear these conversations, we kind of say, oh, I reached out to that person and that kind of helped it. So I was just kind of curious on what I hear there is just kind of someone helping you kind of break it down into smaller manageable chunks and then kind of picking just either the next battle or they're clearing the hurdle that's directly in front of you rather than maybe having to be completely worried about where's the, if it's the end goal or kind of what's, where am I in six months time? And I suppose. Yeah, I was probably skipping to like going from that college course to, I don't know what I want to do in my career ever. I'm so confused. Whereas like that was just being, you know, you're just making one decision and kind of thinking of career for the rest of your life. Whereas it's just not like, not what I needed to be doing, but it's, I suppose it's an automatic, automatic reaction as such. Yeah, and those, so like, and then that conversation it sounds like is able to kind of somewhat recenter and kind of ground you again, just in terms of the now and kind of where you're at at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I suppose where you're at now. News obviously just broke recently that you're heading to Australia, and we were just spent a good while talking about dual career, but now there's obviously just an opportunity to have a singular career playing sport. Uh, is that something you're excited about? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm really, really looking forward to it, I suppose. You know, when you're younger, the thought of playing professional or semi-professional sport um, like is something that I that I was always so intrigued by. And, you know, to be able to fully commit to, to a sport is an opportunity that I'm really looking forward to. Again, it's, it's kind of exciting even thinking of being, you know, a complete newbie at a sport and complete like starting from scratch almost and just having to like challenge myself more, I suppose, in that kind of thing. Not that I'm saying I'm fully knowledgeable in, in GA at all. I don't think that's You're the case. You're pretty at all. good at it now. <laughs> still, have, still, have, still, have plenty, still have plenty to learn and improve on, but uh, it's a case of, you know, um, yeah, like I'm looking forward to, to a new environment and I suppose and to, to pushing myself outside my comfort zone is something that I actually am looking forward to. So I should have said you're joining North Melbourne, right? Yeah, yeah, North Melbourne kangaroos. Yeah, like get moving from from the Dunboyne area or in and around Dublin to North Melbourne. How are you? How are you feeling about that transition? Yeah, it'd be a, be a bit of a change, all right. Anyway, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I'm sure there'll still be as many coffee places. Uh, so I'm told, but uh, yeah, no. Look, I I am looking forward to it. I suppose it's um, I'm kind of in the in the process of of organising all the the small details at the moment, but. Um, yeah, it's I, I don't fully know how the transition is going to go, but uh, I know there's a lot of a lot of Irish out there already and even people I would have been in college with and stuff like that as well playing and a, f a few of the lads from me, they're over there that have reached out to me and stuff. So I'm, I'm sure I won't be won't be short of someone to, to reach out to to go for a coffee. You must. Is it is it unusual and kind of where, you know, this is happening, but like it's 
it's kicked down the timeline and whereas right now um you've got to kind of still be in the present and you're you're seeing out the mid season to the to the end right yeah i'm i'm here for for as long as as long as me keep going um I don't know if it is that weird, I think, because AFL has been a conversation for me for the last while, like it's not a conversation that has kind of just come out of the blue, you know, that kind of way, it's something that I have thought about for a while, that I was kind of able to to separate them both, and um, I think it's maybe made me appreciate Mead football more, um, just kind of knowing... In what way? That, um, just knowing that, like, it, it doesn't, not that it doesn't last forever, but the sense of that, like, like I am going at the end of the season, and I kind of like I haven't, I haven't made full decisions of what I'm doing in relation to to meet football next year. But it's just kind of made me be a bit more present and a bit more, kind of, a bit more grateful. I think for for all of the games we get to play and the the opportunities, and even just you know the the team that that's there at the moment. Um, like just the the people that we have in the team, like there's a mix of unbelievable people, and even something as simple as going for for a coffee after a train on a Sunday. Like I'm just just really grateful for the the kind of the experiences that I'm having currently with me. So I think it's kind of easy to to focus on it when I'm when I'm enjoying it so much. Yeah, because I, I, I know it's something that's been on the radar for you for a while. You had be, you had been out for a couple of days before on trial or kind of at one of the like a tryout basically, right? Very uh, brief four day four day stint over Melbourne. I had to fly home for a county final, so it was a. Uh, I don't think I'd even acclimatised to the uh, the jet lag, but uh, yeah, it was. You must have barely even got a tan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely didn't. I was inside all the stadiums for the four days, but uh, yeah, no, it was it was good. Um, and I, and I am I'm really looking forward to to getting over, getting over as well. And then I kind of as as I just looked to to wrap us up here, Vicky, like you kind of touched upon it a couple minutes ago, but. I suppose growing up to be able to have already had the experiences with me that you've had and now to be able to take them and to apply yourself and as a professional athlete I mean is that something was that the dream growing up did you think that was it would ever be possible yeah I think as I've kind of like I'd say grown up I'm 24 I'm not I'm not the oldest on the team just yet but uh like winning is like unbelievable and I and I stand by that and I, I'd prefer to win all day but like the memories and the things that I have from me and Dunboyne over the last few years and even seeing you know the like the joy on our parents faces and the joy that it brings to young girls and boys and I know um recently unfortunately there was um a young boy Zach Moran from the Navinomani's club in um Mead that passed away and he was he's very young and we had his younger sister and her best friend in with us at the Leinster final the day in Crow Park you know they sat in the dressing room with us and they they came around and they came around the pitch the pitch inspection and stuff like that and she had her little camera out with her Polaroid camera and like even at the end of the game when we were all devastated about the loss like I looked up and you could see her there with like the biggest smile on her face and she was just really really enjoying that experience so I think for me like sport as a whole like as in I've gotten so much more from sport than I have given to sport and like I don't think we realise when we're within it until I like I think it's easy to kind of disassociate sometimes of the joy that it can bring to some people so I think that's kind of something that I'm conscious of now of like as an athlete you can sometimes be quite selfish and kind of tunnel vision and just think that it's be all and end all and like sometimes it is be all and end all for me and it is something that I really prioritize and focus on but like it's nice to kind of think of it as a bigger picture and like yeah we didn't get the result on the Leinster final that we wanted but like to see her face and her little friend's face like as in it was just unbelievable and it was like just leaving it kind of put put everything into perspective um 
of what you know her family have been through the last while and something as simple as a football game and being in a dressing room with with us was able to bring her such joy kind of just just made me kind of refocus a little bit but yeah look I suppose playing professional support and being able to to kind of bring that enjoyment to people's lives I think it is something that I've that I've probably have always wanted to do no I think that's the that's the perfect note to end it on in terms of an appreciation for but like yourself as a person and as an athlete and the mixture between sport and life so from from my perspective just want to wish you the very best luck both in the season that's ahead of you and on when you move to, to to melbourne and then just to say thank you for your honesty and insight today vicky you know we covered lots of different areas that will people relate to in different different ways but i'm really really glad to that we were able to get you on the player's voice and, and thank you for for agreeing to do it and being here today no result thanks for having me Players Voice Podcast is brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. To listen to previous episodes with the likes of Tom Parsons, Chloe and Shane Amori, Lisa O'Rourke and Neil McManus, make sure to subscribe by searching the Players Voice on whichever podcast platform you prefer. And while there, you would really be helping us out if you rated or reviewed the show. Don't forget... You can find out more about the GPA's Bio360 program by visiting bio360.gaelicplayers.com. My name is Alan O'Mara, and to find out more about my work as a performance and wellbeing consultant, please go to www.realtalks.ie or find me on Twitter and Instagram at AOMTheCat. Thanks for listening.